Life is composed of lights and shadows, and we would be untruthful, insincere, and saccharine if we tried to pretend there were no shadows. Walt Disney, 1963. From the dedication page of the unauthorized story of Walt Disney's Haunted Mansion by Jeff Bayham. This week on Slice of Disney, Haunted Mansion Part 4, and Attractions History Sparks a Phantom with Jeff Bayham. Welcome to Slice of Disney, an awesome Disney theme park podcast. I am your host, Kelly Washington, your ghost host, Disney obsessed enthusiast and real life Tinkerbell. And I am your co-ghost host, Will Lentz, occasional Disney goer and real life 3D portrait. Yeah, he's just as spooky. <laughs> when, the, when there's lightning, he changes into... I'm going to say an anteater just because that's what's on your shirt. <laughs> that works. That works. Zot, zot. I'm wearing a UC Irvine sweatshirt, um, and they are the anteaters, uh, and they say zot, zot. That's all I know. It's a cool, he's dribbling a basketball. It's very funny. Yeah. You, you didn't go there. Nope. If I recall correctly, you went to the University of Kentucky. <gasps> what? How did I, you know? I know. it. You might. And Georgia just kicked your bootay. Hey, we scored two touchdowns against you more than anybody else has the entire season. I, that's what I was like. Wait, why are we're they... We're legit good. I know you're legit good. You guys are just like historically good. This is... You, historically yes, good. Yes. Like this has been fascinating. It's... Your defense is insane. It's a wonderful feeling. Anyways. Um, I didn't I didn't go to Georgia, but I yeah. have a fandom for it. Yeah, I really should have called you out on that since you were just taking, making fun of me for wearing a shirt that I didn't I know, go right? to the school of. <laughs> you beat me to it. Um, but I am also wearing the fan, my favorite fandom, and I'm wearing my Haunted Mansion shirt. Because this is part four question mark because uh, you're going to get another history episode soon. But we got to interview someone to me who is like the coolest of cool. Um, Jeff Bam, who runs DoomBuggies.com. If you haven't checked out DoomBuggies.com, it is like, it's... I don't know, like the fortress of all haunted mansion things. Yeah, you know, it harkens to me. It it reminds me of um, the old internet in a way, and I don't mean that it's not dated because there's just it's just like it's back to a time when there was like a website that was dedicated to a specific thing, and it had everything related to that that on there. And it's there's so much knowledge on it. It's very cool. Um, one of the cool pieces that I thought uh, that I that I tried to do a thing. Uh, to surprise you with on the on, on the podcast, but it didn't didn't quite work out. Is there is a little banner that says, "Do you want um, your name at hauntedmansion.com for an email address?" And I was like, "Yeah, let me see if I can do that." But I think that that part doesn't that part's not being held up anymore. So I was like, oh. "That'd be fun to get you that." But oh my god, that would have been so freaking cool! Yeah. I didn't know that it did that. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, it, it's like Wikipedia now is where everyone yeah. goes for any information. Mm-hmm. So, so websites like this, yeah, I think that's right. I you don't see as much of it, um, and it, it's cool to talk to someone who also loves the history of the haunted mansion as much as I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like when when we reached out uh, to see if he was available for an interview, and he was just like, "Yeah, I'm casually gonna get married, so if we could do it before then." I'm like, "What?" Like, <laughs> he's like, "I'm getting married in a couple weeks, so yeah, uh, up until then, sure." <laughs> I was like, "Wow, that's that's amazing." Just super awesome. Like, I I'm geeking out because for me, this is like this is as cool as you can get. Um, you know. Would love to talk to Mark Davis, but he's not with us. Yeah. Uh, he was a you know an OG Imagineer. So, but this guy has so much knowledge of all of our beloved Imagineers. I don't think it's too far fetched to say that like this website DoomBuggies.com and and the, and the stuff that Jeff has put out into the world is probably like a big part of what has uh, inspired people to become such big Haunted Mansion fans. Oh um, yeah! By being able to find this and learn so much about it, you know, as we've experienced in the in trying to detail the attraction it's a it's a huge story there's so much to it and so being able to find this all in one place and really get into it and realize that there's other people that are just as interested in it as you are um, i think is it speaks um it very much is probably why there's such a dedicated fandom yeah i for me like well i mean he wrote a book he literally has a book 
all about the Haunted Mansion. And if you go onto the Doom Buggies website, it also, it's like... That's awesome. It's, it, it is also a book. Um, he also hosts uh, Nostalgia, mm-hmm. which is a podcast released every Monday. Um, it, they're awesome. Um, a little bit of history, a little bit of travel planning, all that. They've been around for a long time, so um, I'm excited. Uh, please, okay, ready? Should we, uh, should we invite our guest? Let's do it. Let's bring Jeff on. Yay! Okay, so this is a guest that I am so geeked said yes to coming on. He is living my dream life by having an insane amount of knowledge about the Haunted Mansion. So please join me in welcoming the Doom Buggies and an author of the unauthorized story of Walt Disney's Haunted Mansion, Jeff Bayham. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. You're too kind. Thank you for having me on your show, you guys. I really, really appreciate this. Yeah, we're really excited. Uh, Kelly always proclaims to be such a huge fanatic. And I was like, all right, well, I think this guy might know a little more, but we'll see. Yeah, Not that it's a competition. I have, (laughs) you know, I, I tell people it's like, I don't really freak out about meeting celebrities or like, you know, working with them or something, but I totally geek over a theme park attraction, which sounds <laughs> insane, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. I, well, I mean, you maybe can tell because I wrote a book about it, but there's, yeah, there's something about the Haunted Mansion that is the only, I, as far as I can tell, it's the only Disney attraction that's ever become a complete lifestyle brand, right? Um, I mean, you can get dog clothes and you know kitchen things and you know all the stuff that has nothing to do with collecting haunted mansion stuff it has to do with surrounding yourself with the lifestyle right so yeah it's really interesting right yeah i that's you kind of beat us to a later question that i had for you asking you know do you think there's any other attraction that has this much fandom culture behind it I know. Well, maybe let's start way up there and then we can, you know, work our <laughs> way back. But um, I, I don't, you know, and, and it's kind of weird because I would suspect the Haunted Mansion is not the most popular attraction. I would think Pirates probably, if you just took a poll of the world, probably yeah. beats it. Maybe even some of the roller coasters, possibly Space Mountain. So I don't think it's really the most popular. But for some reason... And there may be some good reasons that we can dissect. I'm not sure. But for some reason, it's turned into kind of a lifestyle, right? It, it approaches people in a, or people can approach it in a way that meets a lot of different kind of genres and lifestyle kind of um, like needs. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like if you're, you know, in the when I when I started doing like in the late 90s, late 90s, oh boy, um, it, you know, the, the, the population that I found that I was reaching the most was kind of the goths, the goth community, because mm. that was happening then, right? And it was kind of a thing. And Bats Day started right around the same time as Doom Buggies. Yeah. And we kind of all had a little community, a few thousand of us out there, you know, the Haunted Mansion core fans, right? But then it, <laughs> the Haunted Mansion has has exploded, right? It's become, they, they made a movie. Um, They're making handsome, more, yeah. <laughs> making more, like, and the Muppets, maybe we can even talk about the Muppets. But, you know, there's lots of, things that have kind kind of happened to build it into this um far-reaching lifestyle thing and i mean disney fans love it like magicians and stage people love it theatrical people love it um people that are into performing arts love it his disney historians i think i said that love it and then you know of course the classic monster kids who were the ones that grew up and were waiting for it and you know saw it in disneyland for however many years what was it like six years that it was st- sitting there unopened. Yeah. Like all all these different groups of people, you know, it kind of reaches into all those groups in just little different ways, right? So I think that's kind of why. But honestly, you know, every, I get asked this question a lot. Every time I answer it a little bit differently, I really don't know, you know, how the Haunted Mansion itself has become such a, like a lifestyle. That's just the best way I can put I it. Would, it's, it's turned into a lifestyle. Yeah. I would pause it as the one that is not as heavily into Disney that there is something that is like, that's got an appeal to it. That feels like, um, you know, I, I think if you go to Disney and you're a huge Disney fan, sometimes people can kind of look down on that. And I've, as someone that's not even that into Disney, I think that's very silly. Like people have hobbies, let them enjoy their hobbies. But I think that that can be one of those ones like, yeah, well I like the cool things like the, uh, like the haunted <laughs> mansion. So I think maybe that is kind of where it, it comes from in a way. It's the only kind of thing that's like that in the parks. It feels it's, like it's not a theme the, for me, the attraction itself and the fandom around it are not a one size fits all. 
you know, you see people of all different walks of life, all like you just described, you know, so many people find a passion for it in different ways. And the attraction itself, like how it came together and all of the different voices. I mean, um, in the foreword of your book, um, Raleigh Crump was like, yeah, I didn't even know all the stuff that you knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. And, you know, I don't know if Raleigh was being sweet or, or not, but it's probably true. You know, the more I talk to Imagineers and, you know, Disney artists and things, you know, it's their job. They love it. They want to be proud of it. You know, sometimes they're excited about the art they do. Sometimes they just weren't. Um, yeah. But it was their job, right? So they didn't necessarily look at it as a 20-year hobby like someone like me. So <laughs> you might think even though, you know, they were in the thick of it, they were doing their part of it. And, you know, Roly was kind enough to talk to me for many hours for my, my book. And he kind of um, summed up a lot of things uh, that helped me see the Haunted Mansion in kind of a light I had never seen it before. But part of it was that, just that. These people did this and these people did that. And there were, you know, all these different kind of factions of Imagineers that worked on different things. And they didn't necessarily see the big historical picture the way we all look back and say like, oh, right. look, look, at, look at what happened, you know? So yeah, well, that was cool. Before we dive all the way that we've already divin into, because I got way too excited, um, I want to go back and learn a little bit more about Jeff. So Jeff, like, let's start, I mean... Give us a little a little bio. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Um, well, I'm a monster kid. I was born in the <clears throat> late '60s, and um, you know, uh, I always loved kind of the Universal monster type thing. You know, the monster matinees on television, Saturday afternoon kind of thing. Um, I was never really into slasher movies and that kind of thing. I was always more of a monster kid. You know, and it probably came from. I was just right at the right age to have, you know, Famous Monsters Magazine and Starlog Magazine in the bookstore whenever I get my allowance and <laughs> all those glow-in-the-dark model monster kits. And I mean, monsters are, have always been around, but it just seemed like, you know, there was this little moment that I caught. It wasn't really the the heart of the 60s monster Aurora models. I kind of missed that. But there was also this Famous Monsters time when, you know, kids of the late 60s, early 70s could just dive into spooky stuff that wasn't horrible uh, you know, yeah. i guess is the best way i could put it right so that's one that's one thing that just kind of is one little thing that i've always loved halloween you know i'm as a monster kid you know i i just the only thing i can remember about my allowance as a kid was riding my bike to the drugstore the five and time <laughs> at halloween time and looking at all the imagineering scar stuff and vampire blood and all this stuff <laughs> and trying to figure out what i was going to buy and like it's weird i believe back in the 70s, I mean, I think Halloween was really only in stores for three or four weeks. I don't really think it was the three-month thing that it is yeah, now. Yeah, the extravaganza. Like. Yeah, but, I, but but all I can really remember about, you know, what did I do with my money? I bought Halloween stuff, right? So, <laughs> sure, um, save it up all I, year. Yeah, right? Um, the other, so the other, so part two, uh, as long as I remember, we had a couple records in our home. One was called Chilling Thrilling Sounds of the Haunted House. Hmm. Um, famous kind of Disneyland record. Mm -hmm. And the other was called The Story and Song of the Haunted Mansion, right? So now my parents were youth leaders for a couple of years. They ran um, a little church youth group and they used to do haunted house. A couple, for a couple of years, they put on haunted houses. Again, right in my wonder years, right? They were doing these haunted houses and they would um, do it for the neighborhood kids and charge a quarter and whatever, you know, but I just remember like hearing the records and um, you know, looking, kind of watching them build coffins and things for this amazing haunted house. And it was just such a mystery and so amazing to me, the whole idea of haunted houses and, and the sounds and the lights and the sets and things, you know, even in this little cardboard, like church style haunted house, right? <laughs> JC's, JC's version thing, right? So, uh, you know, I just, I just have been Part of it's good fortune that, well, I consider it good fortune that my parents kind of, and they weren't Halloween people or anything. They probably were a little bemused by all of this, although they did, <laughs> they did keep me, um, in Haunted Mansion record albums because I would break those things. Like I, cool. I came home from college one year wow. and there were three Haunted Mansion like albums in the, in the old family, like, you know, and they were all, two of them were empty and one had a broken record in it. And I was like, <laughs> what? And my mom said, well, don't you, I mean, you kept breaking them. So we kept buying, you know, buying new records. So, um, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of all, all of that together. Um, it just, you know, I don't know that I lived really, I didn't like live and breathe monsters. I didn't have only, only monster lunch boxes and all that kind of thing. My parents, 
um, they weren't really like, let's just buy a lot of stuff, parents, you know, so I didn't have a lot of allowance. Most of my allowance went to, like I said, Famous Monsters magazines and Star Wars cards. Like that's pretty much <laughs> what I could afford and what I bought. But um, I just, yeah, I mean, I couldn't, that's what I remember about my childhood is all the monster stuff and the Halloween stuff and the Haunted Mansion, of course, not because of Disneyland. We didn't go to Disneyland fairly often. That's what um, I was going to ask if you were like, did you grow up having any kind of connection with Disney? Yeah, yeah, well, sort of. My parents grew up in L.A., um, and so they dated and went to Disneyland sometimes, um, and they had friends in L.A. So when we were their friends and they had children about the same time, so the all of us kids, the three of us or the four of us would – our parents would take us to Disneyland for most of my – from the time I think I was about seven or eight up until – early, I don't know, before I was a teenager, they would take us kids, the four of us, and just drop us off at Disneyland for a day. <laughs> and they would go That's off. the dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. And, you know, it wasn't any safer in the early 70s, let me tell you. It's just that I think they just, you know, attitudes were different at the time. Right? And they, yeah. they felt like the four of us, out of the four of us, someone's going to be responsible, right? So, yeah, we were just traipsed tra- tra- around Disneyland all the time. And, yeah, so Amazing. I, I didn't. I didn't actually, so I was well aware of the Haunted Mansion. I didn't actually go in it those years, though. I was scared of it. And the reason oh. is because of the record, which okay. I love to death. I There was a time in my life when I would play that record probably every day or so, just to, you know, listen to it. And I would record it on my cassettes and listen to those. Oh, and wow. then go back, listen to the record. And just, you know, I always wanted it around. And I, I just, you know, I knew the story inside and out. That's why my ghost toast is not Paul Freese, although... You know, God bless Paul Fries. He was an amazing voice artist, but it's Pete Renaday because that's the ah. voice of the ghost host on the record. And I got, I was lucky enough to become friends with him in the past few years. But oh, wow. That's, that's another story. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, so I knew everything that was in there. I certainly didn't want to actually in real life come into contact with those monsters and things. I, <laughs> I love the story of the monsters and like everything, but I didn't want to actually see them right so yeah, yeah i probably probably didn't go in the haunted mansion until i was ooh, probably 10 or 11 oh know? okay yeah. i have mine's a, a very different i was like a year old and um had a pretty good vocabulary and i would just say spooky house spooky house and i was like obsessed <laughs> with the haunted mansion as a child like all i wanted to do my parents were like okay like, guess we're going again. Like, <laughs> and uh, and I will tell you, having gone to the parks with Kelly, not a lot has changed uh, since then. It's still a lot of spooky house, and we're going on it again and again. If I don't go on it every time, I feel like something bad is going to happen. <laughs> like it's like superstitious. I get it, I, I get it. for sure. I get it. So so uh, you around ten, you finally get the courage to go on it. Yeah, and so and and you know so I. The Haunted Mansion, so it, it kind of fits into that part of my, just the things I'm interested in. I, I wouldn't have even said all my life, I thought, oh, the Haunted Mansion is my favorite ride. This is why off air, when we were talking a little bit, you know, you said like, oh, maybe I'm not the biggest Haunted Mansion. Well, maybe you are. You know, I, <laughs> I wouldn't call myself the biggest Haunted Mansion fan, but there are reasons that I gravitate to the Haunted Mansion. Um, Some of them do with Disney history. Some of them do with a lot of them have to do with it does mesh with my personality, the whole scary, but not horrifying and spooky and all of that stuff you know i i love it so i i love it but i yet don't necessarily immerse myself in it um i'm more of a disney collector i i approach disney from the collecting perspective okay and and the disney history i would first call myself a disney anna collector a disney armchair disney historian then a podcaster then a haunted mansion fan right (laughs) okay nice that's great so you know what i mean so i you know i do um feel like i have a good grasp on the history of the place and i do think i you know can um, have a good discussion about it but i'm not going to try to to beat you in the haunted mansion fan (laughs) well i mean part of the reason as an adult that i'm such a big fan of the haunted mansion is because of disney history i think it's like the one attraction where so much happened that you see a little bit in other attractions whether it's getting delayed, technology changing, all these people's voices coming together. Like, I get really geeked on the history of that and all the attractions in general. I mean, there's times where I'll be like, Will, like, uh, like Big Thunder. The history of Big Thunder is insane. Like, it, it goes on forever. <laughs> there's quite a bit there. Yeah. Um, 
There is quite a bit there. I that is as someone that's not then maybe like the like obviously you you gravitate towards it and you're a historian. What like towards the late nineties, what what about it made you want to go, all right, well, doombuggies.com needs to exist. How do I let's let's get that going? Yeah. Well that's a good question. And you know, the answer is possibly less exciting than it, it should be. <laughs> no, um, sure. I graduated from San Jose State with my design art degree in the nineties, ninety four, I think. And you know, it was just like I think Photoshop came out in nineteen eighty six. So there were computer oh. programs, but I didn't have to learn that to get my graphic mm. design degree. So I I just came out of art school probably at the last minute when you could just be a traditional designer. Mm-hmm. But that's that right. is that's not super useful when the world is exploding digitally, right? Sure. So I kind of figured I got to learn these websites and homepages. Everyone was making their GeoCities like, this is my pet. Look at all the blinking GIFs and, you know, yeah. flashy <laughs> words. So I thought, you know, I I can learn how to do HTML and I'll just choose something that I have some information about and some graphics and things saved up on a mansion, right? So I just pretty, um, I mean, I pretty innocently just decided I'm going to just start this kind of fan page that's what people are doing what else is the internet good for but fan pages that's what everyone (laughs) has yeah so i'm gonna make a fan page about the haunted mansion you know i did have kind of an inkling that i would probably get some people to look at it because i was a graphic designer i mean you know certified i had my degree so i knew i could kind of give it a commercial veneer you know Mm -hmm. that a lot of these things didn't have so i was you know I, i maybe was trying to start something a little bit um but primarily i was trying to just learn how to make websites because i knew as a graphic designer i kind of needed that in my toolkit um and that to be honest you know 1997 most of the summer i was learning html sometime in the fall i launched i call it officially you know october 31st the launch date but sometime sometime in there you know (laughs) doom buggies went went live it wasn't doom buggies at the time it was uh chef it was let's see members.aol.com slash chef mayhem right? oh okay <laughs> so, love it that's fun <laughs> yeah my aol website space, <laughs> right? uh, well you and, go on you go on to talk too on the on the website about how like at one point you get offered the uh url for hauntedmansion.com isn't that that's right right yeah yeah so i, I bought doom Muggies not long probably within the first year i thought yeah let's, okay. let's keep going let's make this into something that people can find so i but Doom Buggies, I don't know what made me think to call it that. I just did. And um, there's an author named Cory Doctorow. He's become quite a quite a prolific writer. But at the time, in the early 2000s, maybe it was still in the 90s, maybe nine, he he contacted me and he said, you know, I bought this domain. I don't really know what to do with it. You, you really deserve to have it attached to this website. And so, you know, I said, hey, you know, I appreciate that. And he he just signed it over to me, hauntedmansion.com, right? So wow. um, I have been, you know faithfully keeping it just pointing to do muggies <laughs> ever <laughs> since and uh and he's you know he's gone on to become a, a, an author of significance uh he's and he he runs boingboing.net it's a kind mm. of a blog website he's like i said he's gone on to write some um pretty pretty impressive books since then and, and yeah and he just yeah he was just he thought do muggies was pretty cool and he wanted me to have that domain and so there it is that's awesome oh that's awesome another thing that we saw that you were able to do was that Disney reached out to you for the uh, 30th anniversary marketing campaign, right? Yeah, to some to some degree. Now, I think Disney, every time they've reached out to Doom Buggies, which has been a significant number of times over the years, uh, to be fair and honest, I, I think it's mostly for them to kind of test like so what's what's happening out there in the internet world like if we do this oh, okay what's gonna happen like what are the results i don't necessarily think it's that they thought oh doom buggies is the end all and it needs it it must you know it must <laughs> receive these amazing you know cooperative collaborative deals i think mostly so for instance the 30th anniversary you know websites were obviously kind of young at the time um doom buggies was there 1999 right so but it was in may, may of 1999 is or june this mm. one they had the 30th anniversary. I don't know why, but they chose June. Uh, yeah. And they, they just said, hey, you know, um, we're going to do this thing. If you sell tickets for us through your website, we'll give your your um, audience a special code. So they'll get this special lithograph if oh, they buy cool. tickets through you. And I said, OK, we can do that. So we did. Now, I've heard various like reports about this. They they did have to end up like radically expanding their their um, plan of attack. I I don't 
think it's because of Doom Boogies. Because like I said, at that time, you know, a few hundred visitors a day was a big, in my opinion, a big sure. deal. Yeah. You know? that, that's so, still a big deal. I mean, there's so much content now out there. Like, it's true. Well, and so you're, you're actually kind of swing, right. Yeah. Like, now it's come along to niche things, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. Like, if you could get a couple hundred dedicated people to something, it's almost like it was back then. So yeah. That's actually, I had never really put that together in my head, but it makes a lot of sense. But um, at that time, you know, and it was it was just kind of a weird thing. You know, I went to Disneyland as part of the deal and people would come up to me and say like, yeah, yeah, you know, I saw your website and it's really cool. And it was the first time I really thought um, I should be careful. With, this is what I came of that. Like, I thought I should kind of be careful with this website because mm-hmm. people are trusting it. Mm-hmm. Right? They're, yeah. They're trusting it to give them the truth. And there's things out there. If we've learned anything in the past 20 years of the internet, it's that <laughs> it's difficult to trust yeah. it to give you the truth, right? Yeah. But I knew like Disneyland, it's themselves feel like, hey, people are coming here for a reason. So if anything, it kind of gave me my own opinion of what is it? What's my responsibility for being an internet like per content provider? Or, you know, if I'm going to make these kind of things and host little did I know someday I'd host my own podcast and I have a, I have a Disney podcast and the Doomuggies podcast. And, you know, if I had known that then who knows if I would have thought differently, but I, it did put this little notion that I got to be careful here that I'm truthful, you know, that I don't just pass along myths and ideas and things I've heard, but I can back up what I say with something, at least something else. Um, it is interesting when you like research, any attraction, but specifically with the Haunted Mansion and Doom Buggies, like the detail on that on your website is insane. Like so much. <laughs> and then I see, you know, there's some stuff that'll be like conflicting on the internet because, you know, people are just typing real fast and it's like uh or any attraction. Like when I was doing research for extraterrestrial, um, mm-hmm. oh, it was like a bunch of different people saying, Oh, well, this happened and then this happened. It's like, okay. We're going to zoom in on one source. And I'm not going to lie, I this the Doom Buggies is who I trust. So <laughs> <laughs> good I, yeah. job on that. <laughs> I'm curious, like, because you talked about there's a, bit, a, lot, a lot of myths. I mean, I feel like probably more than most other attractions, there's probably a lot of urban legends and myths that have come along with the Haunted Mansion. I know there's some uh, sections on your website, too, where you talk through those. But do you have any kind of, like, favorite uh things that maybe aren't true that people talk about a lot or that are super common that maybe (laughs) our audience would appreciate hearing yeah well i mean i would say these days it's it's not so much the the story of the haunted mansion has become so popular it's it's reasonably factually accurate where, where you hear it these days. People really want to make the story a little simpler than it is and Mm -hmm. and for for better or for worse it is a long narrative that doesn't really have yeah. this little part and that little part and that little part. So people like to say, well, the story of the Haunted Mansion is some people wanted it really scary and some people wanted it really funny and they couldn't decide. Well, that is that is true, but it's just like a a portion of the, the pathway, you know, and yeah. or otherwise people say there was a Haunted Mansion that was about the Headless Horseman and there was a Haunted Mansion that was about Captain this and Captain that. And those are true stories. They're just... Um, compartmentalized they're not really in the big narrative arc that really makes the actual story of how the 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 attraction was developed but as far as actual mythological things those those are pretty much done with um in fact i'm even having a hard time remembering when i started in the 90s there were all these stories about ghosts real ghosts and Mm -hmm. people that died in there and you know all this kind of stuff that are not really factual but i you know some of that stuff i don't even remember anymore um <laughs> so sure. like you know what the one good thing about the popularity of this attraction is that it, yeah the story is more or less now out there and factual and people kind of know what happened they simplify it but but it's reasonably true yeah before i because i i'm like i want to ask a million and haunted mansion questions but before i do i want to talk a little bit just about like your your disney podcast and you said like you went to Disney as a kid, but it doesn't seem like you are like the obsessive type of okay. Disney. So what made you start a Disney podcast? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. So I am obsessive Disney, but it's collecting. All right. So I will get on eBay 
and then I will outfan you in any any regard. <laughs> like, so I am a I am a Disneyana collector and Disneyland in particular. So I have a great abiding love for the park. Not so much the the going on rides and that kind of thing. Although depending, you know, if you're there with your friends, it's fun. Let's have a day going on rides. If you're there, but I go by myself quite frequently. Used to more before I had kids. And I would just, you know, wander around, do some shopping, eat some great food, just kind of soak it in. As a graphic designer, I found that to be very, um, the word is not inspiring, but because I'm inspired by things that I really feel inspired by. I, it, but my creative fuel was, tank was refueled mm-hmm. by being there, right? And um, so, there, and like I said, the history, I do love the history. So our pod, so the podcast I do is called Nostalgia. It's kind of a, we we sell it as a Disneyland kind of trip planning podcast, but it's really not that at all. It's really a Disney history podcast that we sneak in there. So <laughs> people kind of, you know, and we mix it all up with everything, right? So it's just a Disney everything. And I, I'm a little, I am kind of that guy. I'm a little bit of Disney everything on the top of collector. And then right below that, I want to, but I want to know why, how did this happen and why did it happen? Right. And how did Walt Disney, like, what was his part of this and what part of it wasn't his part of this yeah how did that all work and then after that um comes the parks and so for that for that reason i don't get too whipped up about things that the general disney population does get whipped up about because you know the parks are important to me in a sense of they've kind of formed my whole hobby you know of, of everything i do as a hobby is related in some way to the disney parks but at the same time you know, if you want to change an attraction, go for it. If it's if it's better, good for you. If it's worse, I hope you do better next time. You know, I don't I don't get too and maybe also part of that is once you kind of meet some imagineers and get the vibe of what it means to be an imagineer and you learn that in some ways it's carrying on Walt's legacy and they're super proud, but in other ways it's massive bureaucracy and uh, yeah. just trouble for everyone. And once you kind of get the feel of it is a workplace and um then, you know, I start to see what happens in a different light. So people can go online and say, well, Disney did this. And, you know, I'm sitting there saying, like, there is no Disney. Right. There's no Disney. It's like this organization made this decision, but this organization said, well, we got to change it because of this. And then this group said this and all these different companies. It's a miracle anything happens there at all. (laughs) Yeah, I I (laughs) believe that. (laughs) And and so, you know, to that degree, it kind of tempers my... um, ability to really get whipped up about stuff so i don't know if i'm answering your question at all but uh, but i am a, a super a collective i uh, like the disneyanic like it's this part of american pop culture yeah. that's mm-hmm. just overwhelms everything like if there was no walt disney sure we someone would have filled that gap but it might have been a few different studios with a few different projects but the walt disney studio did all these things primarily and my, my my interest is primarily under the leadership of Walt Disney, so the 30s through the 60s, right? And just those 30 years, you know, it's just, it's an amazing thing that happened to our our country's cultural landscape, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's primarily where my interest lies. I, well, you have gotten to interview and talk to a lot of Imagineers, and you said that has shaped your thought um, process. Who were some of the people um, that you've, who are some of your favorite people you've spoken to or interviewed? Yeah, sure. Um, so I came into this whole game kind of, kind of late in the, but, but early enough to talk to some contemporaries of Walt, which is important. Like, and that's important to me. And, um, you know, we all, you and I both, we are here at the very end of Walt's contemporaries, right? Yeah. So it's, it's a fortunate time, you know, in the next five years or so, we're going to, for better or for worse, we're talking to other different people who are second generation, right? Which there are millions of great, or not millions, what am I saying? <laughs> there are <Sure>. dozens, <laughs> dozens of great voices in that community also, right? But yeah, uh, you know, I never got to meet Mark Davis. Um, he died, I think, in 1999, like right after the 30th anniversary thing. But I have spent a few few times been able to visit with his um, wife, Alice. And one time we were getting ready for a Haunted Mansion event and I was going to be the MC. So I just, you know, I called her up and said, can I just come kind of go over this stuff with you? And she's like, yeah, come on over. Mm-hmm. So we just sat in her backyard for a few hours and she showed me his all his Haunted Mansion concept art she had. And she wow. kind of went, his book had just come out. I don't know if I should even say this. The first Mark Davis book, not the beautiful 
perfect, amazing one that came out two years ago by Pete Doctor and Chris uh-huh. Merritt. But the first one with a bunch of essays and things, I mean, I guess I can say this. She she did not like that. And, uh, and there have been a number sure. of people that have told me like they didn't love that book because it just really was a little surfacey, you know, mm. kind of a surfacey treatment of Mark. And so we went over it like page. By page. <laughs> wow. That's, that sounds was, like a really cool experience actually. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was, you know, because it not only, cause in between her, like kind of complaining about it, I was getting like the, what she really thought of Mark's art and how proud she was of him and yeah. you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so that was a really great experience. And she gave me lots of, you know, I don't know. She just, it, it was great. It was, she didn't necessarily, give me new information about the Haunted Mansion, but tons of information about who Mark Davis was, who's probably the most influential Imagineer in the Haunted Mansion's creation. So yeah. that was a lot of fun. Like I mentioned, Roland Camp, I spent an afternoon with him just talking for mostly so that I could kind of form a, a or plant a seed that I could grow my book around, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that was great. You know, he had a very different story because um, he was, you know, a basically the kid working at Imagineering and Mark Davis and Claude Coates and all the Walt's contemporaries did not really appreciate what Rolly Crump brought to the table, which I'm guessing at Imagineering back then was kind of clouds of interesting smelling smoke. And like, <laughs> you know what I mean? He was, and they, yeah. He, I mean, he was so funky and we always like, he's, we, he's my favorite of the ones that I've yeah. been exposed to. Yeah. Cause he's just so yeah. unique. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I kind of classic and he had such a vision. Right. And so, and I think that's why Walt loved him. Yeah. And Walt, Definitely kind of would favorite Rolly's ideas once in a while. And the other Imagineers didn't love that. (laughs) So Rolly has an interesting story, you know, to tell because he can look back and say like, yeah, you know, (laughs) you know, no one really wanted to listen to me. And so they didn't use any of my ideas. And so, you know, he's kind of amused that people even talked to him about the Haunted Mansion because he was really a big part of it the development of it, but they didn't really use much of anything. A few things that he contributed kind of got in there, but he didn't really have a big part to play in what ended up. But he does, again, kind of like Alice talking about Mark, I can listen to him talk about Yale Gracie mm-hmm. and just the whole atmosphere at Wet Enterprises when they were building the Haunted Mansion and get a picture. So, you know, I don't know. Those are probably the two that popped to mind um, that I've had the most significant conversations with. Yeah, I mean, because... Rolly and Bob Gurr, I mean, they're both much, they're old, like they're in their 90s. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Bob, Bob Gurr is, Bob (laughs) Gurr is, is great because, um, he just tells you whatever's on his mind. Right. So, uh, and Rolly does too, actually. They both pretty, pretty outspoken about, you know, what they think of what was going on. And, um, you know, Bob also didn't have a ton to do with the development of the traction. So, you know, to some degree, he's kind of the Haunted Mansion guy these days. And he tells a lot of stories about what he remembers about, you know, being there. But he really wasn't part of the development of, you know, the experience. Right. But he was. But he was of a in the most possibly the most important part, which is the kind of new style of vehicle, which kind of made you look at things. Right. It kind of made you watch the Haunted Mansion the way that Claude Coates wanted you to look at it. Yeah. So, so in a sense, he had possibly the most important role to play, but he didn't have as much to do with the development of the traction, right? So I'm yeah. I'm curious because as you're talking, and one of the reasons the Haunted Mansion is my favorite is because these Imagineers and all of the greats, the classic greats in my head, you know, worked on the Haunted Mansion in some capacity, small or large. Um, is that why, besides being a monster kid, is that why you're so attracted as the historian part comes out to the Haunted Mansion? Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Um, and it's kind of like you said at the very beginning of the show, I think primarily I kind of have gravitated towards this, at least or initially it was because it was the, the the haunted house, right? It was Disneyland's haunted house and I loved haunted houses, but it's, I stuck with it because it really fills this interesting place um, in the Disney history. Like it bridges a lot of gaps. Walt died in the middle of it. Yeah. That had to be overcome. Um, there were kind of disputes as to how WED was going to function without Walt at the top of the pile. And that had to be worked out. They never had really solved a lot of the problems as to the narrative of the attraction. Although, to be fair, I think a lot of it was kind of worked out. I think when Walt Disney passed away, he kind of knew more or less what would be in the haunted mansion because he in the 1965 t- television special where he's talking about disneyland's 10th centennial he walks people through 
like he introduces Rolly Crump and Mark Davis and he walks people through some of the scenes and things. And there lots of the things in there are what we know of in the Hodge Mansion today. So I think he did have kind of an idea what would be in there, but he still, you know, I think he was mostly distracted with Epcot? the World's Fair and then, Ep- <laughs> yeah, and then Epcot, right? So I think he didn't really, you know, I think he just would get reports on what's the latest, you know, with the Haunted Mansion. I, I think that's kind of why I, I gravitate towards this because there's all these questions that really had to be answered and how they came up with those answers is kind of fascinating. Yeah. I Any of the earlier versions um, that were talked about, is there anyone in particular that you wish you get you got to experience? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Well, well yeah. Um, so the very, very earliest ideas were, and before it was even really a haunted mansion, I think Ken Anderson and Walt were probably, and maybe Sam McKinn was involved with this too, and maybe some other Imagineers, they were kind of kicking around. Well, this will be like, we got to have some, New Orleans Square was going to be the place, right? And so they built New Orleans Square. They were going to have this kind of pirate exhibit where you'd, you kind of New Orleans Square would be all parasols and elegance, but then you'd, you'd go through this door and you'd kind of go down into, you know, Spooky. underground and into this, into this, <laughs> onto this big pirate ship, right? And you'd walk around and see all these like villains, right? So I think they wanted to kind of echo that whole the dark side of New Orleans with some attraction. And so kind of when you walked out of Pirates, if you turn right down the corner, kind of where the treehouse is now, there was going to be this old building, right? And if you, this would be something you just walked through, similar to the Pirates exhibit, like an exhibit, but you'd walk through and you'd see all these special effects and magic tricks and you'd kind of learn the story of, oh, this was a pirate's home. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he had this bride and then, oh, she discovered he was really not. Oh, I, I guess it wasn't a pirate's home. It was a some kind of sea captain. It was home, Captain right? his, Gore. His bride, some <laughs> Captain Gore, right? And his, his Bartholomew <laughs> Gore. And his bride would just dis- discover like, wait a minute, this guy is not who he said he was. So then he would like. Somehow you'd witness her, either witness her murder or discover she was murdered. And and then you, the last scene you would see, well, the, the penultimate scene, you'd see her haunting him in his bedroom and tor- tormenting him. And then the final scene, he hangs himself. Right. So it's you think about Disneyland and then you think about this. Right. And then you'd oh, and then not only that, but you'd walk out and you'd be coming you know, out of his home and you, there'd be this bubbling well with blood in it and little children like telling nursery rhyme like a, like a horror show right? yeah and so and this is kind of, and ken anderson did kind of say like i kind of want to do something spooky and like you can imagine why this didn't get made i'm pretty sure walt probably said well you know it's a little much yeah um, but that you know i would have you know my spooky heart would have been because i know even in that kind of grimness it still wasn't going to be horrifying it would just be really dark right? yeah right there would and be so, some humor in it in some way yeah. yeah so my little dark heart would have loved to see that i, <laughs> I, I still I, would yeah i think it's so weird that in all of the versions like it was in you know it's we're not all of them but even in our final version it's like yeah we have a guy who's hung himself and you're gonna <laughs> yeah, see it uh, time yeah. start. hi children like yeah. look up and you're mm-hmm. like like, I don't think I, as a child, processed what that was. It was just like, yeah. oh, there's a skeleton above you. Like, I didn't yeah. realize. Yeah. It's, it does have some really dark moments, right? And, uh, you know, for better or for worse, that's part of what makes the Haunted Mansion what it is. Um, and very, And there aren't very many of those dark moments. There are a few. But they really define the Haunted Mansion's humor. Like, you need those dark moments to really understand why the humor is what it means to the ghost host, you know, when he's kind of chuckling at himself and stuff, because he's the one that hung himself. Right. So he's yeah. kind of, that's my way. That's my way out. Right? Yeah. So he, so you kind of like the whole thing hinges on these couple dark moments, like some, some in the corridor doors and the, the hanging scene. And, you know, so I, I wonder if we're going to lose some of those things. I wouldn't be surprised if they decide Culturally, this is just not something that can be at Disneyland anymore. And like I said before, am I going to pick at Disneyland? No. That's what I was going to ask. Like, <laughs> but with this, like, I don't like Splash Mountain. I think it's yeah. dumb, so I'm like ready for it to go. If you touch on a mansion, I, I, <laughs> I oof, well, I, okay. I will. Well, let me say, I will. I, I would. Um, my sympathetic vibrations would be with you. I, <laughs> I do, and it's because you know, it's not because I don't get it. Like, you know, it's. 
we're talking about suicide, right? And that yeah. is severe, yeah. a severe thing, right? So I get it. But it, like I said, it really does that to look at that and make a joke about it is a defining moment at the beginning of the Haunted Mansion. And also, like you said, like, I don't know a kid that's ever considered that. I was also a kid that didn't really, even with the record, I'd listen every single day. Like I knew he's saying he he's hanging, like he hung himself, but I didn't even, you know, know what that really entailed. Yeah. So, so I don't know, you know, there's just... We're in a, you know, the world changes and things change with the world and that's okay. Like, that's okay with me. I, I get it. But I just, um, I, mostly I just, I recognize that that will change the Haunted Mansion in a, in more of a dramatic way than just the scene being different. Like it will change the whole mood of why this guy is joking around with you yeah. and why he maybe doesn't want you to get out. Like he, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's kind of toying with you like a cat toys with a mouse, yeah. right? But if there's not that kind of situation at the beginning perhaps he's just like your buddy you know i i don't know i haven't really thought this through i'm kind of thinking this through as i talk to you but but i you know i i'm not sure how i would feel about that to be honest um yeah i well do you what are your feelings on the nightmare before christmas version see i'm okay with that because it's just a different attraction and you can take it out yeah so You know, it's it's something, you know, I wish they would do that to every single ride at Disneyland because then we have double the rides and you can go <laughs> go at You're Christmas and have one park, yeah. go go in the spring and have a different park. Right? Yeah. So I do love that. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not totally serious about that. Some things I would never want them to change. <laughs> but but like with the Haunted Mansion, like I partly because I do love Nightmare Before Christmas. It's my touches, my spooky heartstrings. So I'm, you know, pro Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, you know, I, I could, again, if someone tells me like, but why do they have to do it over Halloween? Yeah, I get it. I would wish maybe they didn't do it over Halloween, <laughs> but I, but I, but because of the largeness of the installation, they wouldn't have time to put it in for Christmas. So it's kind of a, what are you going to give and take there? I, yeah. I get that too. Um, but you know, I'm okay with it. It's, it's not, it's very light in there. It's a different attraction. It's just, you can see all the walls. You can see the corners of the walls. It's a different attraction. It's more like a, like a you know like a i don't know just more like a carnival fun house ride yeah um but i love the talent of the people involved i i like the theme it even it still has its kind of dark little moments and i like that and and you can take it out so that's the best part definitely like uh that when you go when you go to the parks and i don't know how frequently you go anymore um do you almost like do people get excited to ride the Haunted Mansion with you? Or is it like, oh, my God, Jeff, stop. Because <laughs> <laughs> Kelly gets both of um, I think. <laughs> yeah. When I go with people that, you know, kind of know me from Mousedalger or Doomagies, sometimes they want to ride with me. And that's cool. Like, I don't know what to say anymore. The thing is, I feel like, oh, now I have to say something intelligent about the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> and I, I don't know what to say. You know, so I'm like, I'll, I'll ride with you, but I'm pretty much just going to look at it with you. Um <laughs> And, you know, I, so, yeah, but I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say I go on it every time I go to Disneyland. I do go pretty, I'm a magic key holder. Like I, for, <sighs> for the podcast reasons, I have to, have to go fairly frequently. So we get there. I'm getting married there next week. So, I, you know. I, well, we were ecstatic when you were like, hey, I can do this, but also I'm going to get married. If I were you, I would have been like, yeah, I'll see you later. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's so amazing. Thank you. So before we let you go um first of all is there an easter egg is there something that when you ride the haunted mansion you're always like this is that one fact that i love boy that is a great question (laughs) um i don't really know of any easter eggs i would per se right um i mean sometimes it's interesting to me to kind of have the um, the the floor plan in my head and it's you know if you know like oh right behind this wall is the ballroom or right you know like it's interesting to kind of put together where the things really are like a jigsaw puzzle mm. in your head oh, that's okay. kind of I think that's kind of fun that to do cool. but but I mean as a what is what is interesting about the Haunted Mansion that is kind of an Easter egg I don't know I mean I do like to try my best to defeat the Doomuggies like see if I can look around <laughs> You know, behind me or up around the corner or something, you know, and see what where the goos are that are yeah. making projections. Take and that, Bob. 
<laughs> so you know that's always kind of fun to do um i don't really I don't really have easter eggs i mean i still i guess i guess i would still say my my takeaway scene is gotta be the ballroom you know everyone talks about pepper's ghost it's only that one piece of glass i mean it's a ginormous enormous piece of glass but the pepper's ghost is only in the haunted mansion once as a massive effect right and there it is but still that's what people talk about right that's it's all about the ballroom and i mean that was kind of a an incredible like you know talking about the history whenever i look up old articles about the opening of the haunted mansion like inevitably the writer talks about the transparent ghosts that you can see through and they didn't know how they did it. And sometimes they call it holograms and stuff like, you know, like they did not know how this was happening, you know, and it's been around from the 19th century, the special effect, like on theater stages. Yeah. But it's just the way that Disney did it in such a massive scale. You just don't assume, Oh, it's like a glass reflecting because who would, how could that be? This is a whole ballroom sized place. Right. So no one thinks, Oh, it's just a reflection in glass. And, and it's just, you know, that's just like a show stopping still to this day. Every time I go through there, I just, I look at that place and I just, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. I agree. That is one of the things that as changes might come, it scares me because the Haunted Mansion, part of the reason I love it so much is because it is all a lot of the original technology and so many things that haven't aged in my opinion i think like you could make it some screen now like everything else is but i think that would take a lot of the magic away from it yeah uh is that a moment where you might be like okay disney theme parks now i'm a little perturbed she's trying to get you to pick it (laughs) you're looking you're looking for that moment i am i'm Um, I'm gonna find it (laughs) you know you know i you know i if that moment would occur it would be in the haunted mansion somewhere and i'm not the reason i'm not really afraid of that is because the things they do more or less keep in the spirit, no pun intended, of what, you know, of what the Haunted Mansion is is about, right? So especially with the Hatbox Ghost. So um, Daniel Joseph is kind of the guy in charge of making the magic that made it happen again. And he was so careful to try to say, like, if Yale Gracie just had, you know, just had digital technology, but right. still we could keep this mechanical and, you know, true to what he was trying to do, what would he do? And he really, so it is digital projection and stuff, but it's not, but it's also mechanical, like things robotically, you know, the screen shrinks, drops down into it. You know, there's things that happen with that thing other than just a screen projecting and which was the original problem was just, it was like lighting problems. Right. So, you know they're they are making the right choices for the haunted mansion. Now the the bride the bride redo in the around Disneyland's fiftieth anniversary, that's a little excessive storytelling in my opinion. Like you really is there going to be an attic in a house that had? But then you but then you think about it. Well, the the bride is the one setting up all the stuff. She wants to remember all you know all her conquests or her victims or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you know so it's okay. Um, it seems like just a little bit much. A little bit much. Like, That's there's, yeah. That is my least favorite part. It feels a little cheesy. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Like even when they redid her, I don't know. Something about it felt like it didn't match the tone as much, in my opinion. Yeah, and the technology yeah. just is a little bit more advanced, so yeah. it's a little out of place. But the high box ghost but. is awesome. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah. Uh, before we go, is there any? Do you have any, um, we have a couple final questions that Will is going to yeah. spitball at you, but do you have any, like, any last minute thoughts that you just want to make sure you get in there? I mean, I think it's interesting just to look at the Haunted Mansion as a picture of so many, so many different things. Like, like we said earlier, like how Wet Imagineering managed to figure out how do we function without Walt Disney here? Mm-hmm. And yeah, the two art directors did kind of disagree. Like, should it be a little darker or should it be a little funnier? Well, you know, yeah, that was a real part of the story. But the bigger part of the story is how do we work together when there's not one guy saying like, yes to this, no to that, yes to this, no to that. And that's, you know, that's the story of the Haunted Mansion for me. I also, um, I mean, I just like trying to figure out why did Walt do this in the first place? You know, people ask me that a lot. Like, why did Walt do this in the first place? Because he did... You know, and there's the reason it's interesting is because there's no answer to that that we know of. Like, no one has discovered the interview where Walt said, this is my opinion of why we have a haunted house. Right. I mean, it's pretty, pretty clear. I think you can just assume that he just wanted a great theme park and they they had haunted houses. Right. So he just would have wanted the best one. And I think that is a sufficient answer. But I just keep trying to find, you know, but. 
there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And, you know, the one thing I'll say that I think is really interesting, this is something I discovered myself um, just looking for other information. Like Walt gave this interview in the 50s and he said, well, the reason we're going to have a haunted mansion is because all these ghosts, um, you know, in World War II, all these big giant castles and things were bombed in Europe. So they have nowhere to go. So they're going to come to America, right? So I was doing this research and I found a newspaper from 1921. I think it was 1921, Kansas City. So Walt would have just been, I think, back from World, you know, well, he went to World War One, but he would have been back there. He was just getting started. You know, 20, 1923 is when wow. he moved from Kansas City to Hollywood, right? So 1921, he was still trying to find his way in the advertising world of Kansas City, right? And in the Kansas City Times, there was this article in the newspaper about all of Britain's famous mansions being broken down and where would the ghosts go? It was like a straight news story wow. in the newspaper asking where are all these ghosts going to go What when all these mansions and castles get broken down? And it said at the end, it goes like, well, they're just going to have to move to America. And so <laughs> it's just, and I've shown this to a couple of Imagineers, you know, a couple of Disney people. And one of them's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, a nice historical rhyme. And one of them is like dead convinced that Walt Disney had to have read this, you know. And so, so no one knows, but it's just a fascinating little like piece of like rhyming history. Those are the kind of things I like to discover about Disney history in general and the Haunted Mansion in particular. Like there's never ending things to discover about the Haunted Mansion and, you know, so far. Well, you actually answered most all of our typical ending questions anyways. Like where do you, where does this attraction fit in your day? And is there anything you would change? Things along those lines. So the only thing I'm going to ask you aside from to plug everything you'd like to plug is as a collector, you're a Disney collector and historian. Um, is there like one really cool thing that you have that people would be like, Oh, I didn't know that existed. That's so cool. I want to know. <laughs> yeah. There's I mean, I'm sure couple. you do. Yeah. Well, I mean, so it's, there's, I have three things that are my favorites. Ooh. Okay. Three things. I mean, the first one by far is I have it, and it's one of only one of them is haunted mansion related. Sure, and no. um, I'll I'll save that for last. But the first one, the most probably important one, is I have a tiki bird. It's just a little tiki bird, but it's a tiki bird, and it still has all of its pneumatics inside. And, oh, that's awesome! Um, like it was just, it's heavy. It's shockingly heavy. Yeah. Um, I you know someone just you know, who won't be named, but has a window on main street, had this in his, wow. his possession and just was, you know, didn't need it. It was beat up. You know, it was just really like, you could see all the layers of paint and the feathers were just kind of glued flat on the top. Like it was obviously, you know, in the corner production use every six months, just slap another coat of paint on it. Yeah. It was, you know, dead and buried and they once when they went back i don't know when it was maybe 15 years ago and put in like the lighter more you know agile animatronic birds they took out all these original clunky ones and so you know i've had it i had it for years i thought what do i do with this do i restore it or do i leave it in its park used kind of junky condition i finally talked to kevin you know jody kevin jody have you heard of them they're I have disney not. disney designers and they've hmm. designed a lot of merchandise and things and i talked to kevin oh, and i said you know what do i you know, what do you, and he said, yeah, we restore a lot of those things for people um, because, you know, there's just this philosophy. Is it, do you keep it this way for a collectible? But this is so unique that it would really be the value of it was really enhanced to have it restored. So yeah. he restored it for me. So now I just have this gorgeous, that's awesome. like brand, brand new Tiki Bird in my collection. That's one of my favorites. It's oh, just that's little. very cool. It's like, it, it's little. It's one of the ones that sits in the big bamboo cages, you know, on perches. Oh, man. Not a giant parrot, but it's it's just amazing, right? So that's my favorite. Um, Second favorite is I have a brown line, like big giant print of Sleeping Beauty Castle that mm -hmm. Bruce Bushman designed. You've probably seen in Disney art books and things. These big brown lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantasyland. So I have one of those and he signed it to someone else just that worked at Imagineering back in 1960. So it was only five years wow. after Disneyland opened. Right? Wow. Yeah. And and it somehow made its way to Van Eaton Galleries and then to my collection. So That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. I have this gorgeous cool. brown. Yeah. And then, my, and then my Haunted Mansion thing. So uh, this was um, kind of a two-part thing. So I, I bought um, at some point in history, uh, maybe these didn't go together. Someone was selling... Um, a, a Mickey Mouse, or not a Mickey Mouse, a, a Disney Studios vinyl acetate recording. Like they used to make their sound effects and things on these big records, right? And so one of them said spooky sounds and it was 1957. And this person had postulated, you know what? I bet this is 
one of the things Ken Anderson used when he was making the Haunted Mansion because it was the right time. It was labeled spooky sounds. It's not from any discernible movie, really. So he kind of assumed like this is probably some of the recording stuff that Ken Anderson was using when he did because a lot of what Ken Anderson did in 1957 was build these little Haunted Mansion walk through things for different Imagineers to visit. So he sold me that. But then there was this other script for the the story and song record that I had growing up. And I don't actually, I don't think it was the first, the same person, but I bought this and I had it for years and it was cool because it's a recording script, you know, cover. it was like Eleanor Audley crossed out Thurl Ravens, like everyone that, you know, would have read it. So it was cool. But the the coolest thing is when I finally got to meet Peter Renaday, who was the voice of the ghost hosts, um, I had him sign it for me, right? So oh. now it's one of my favorite things. Yeah. So That's those great. are my three favorite pieces of Disney on at the moment. These are favorite um, things. If you ask me tomorrow... Yeah, maybe there's something else, but that's <laughs> those, that's, that's very cool. So I'm, thank you for sharing that. With I'm us. picturing yeah. that your house is just like cool collectibles scattered everywhere. Yeah, that's it. it pretty much yeah. is. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> that's the dream. Um, cool. Well, is there anything you'd like to plug? Again, obviously, thank you so much for oh, coming well, on. Well, thank. Yeah. Well, absolutely. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean. Of course, doombuggies.com. About a year ago, I renovated the whole thing. So if you're one of those people that, yeah, I remember doombuggies, maybe give it another look. I've done, I overdid, I overhauled the whole thing for its 20th anniversary. And we're going to, this Halloween, it's 22 years old, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I know. Um, So doombuggies.com is still there. I wrote a book. You had mentioned the unauthorized story of Walt Disney's Haunted Mansion. You can get that on amazon.com. Um, and then, yeah, if you want to, if you like hearing me, blah, 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 nostalgia every Monday is my podcast. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Yeah. This was Jeff, great. You seem like a super dope human. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming and talking to us. It means oh, a lot. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Okay. Not only was that so wonderful and so cool and will ruined everything because when we were saying bye to him on zoom he just like clicked out bad job by will i didn't click out what i did was i closed my laptop thinking (laughs) that my monitor would stay on which it usually does uh, and this time it didn't and then i pulled it back open and he was gone he was a ghost he's not even real the whole time (laughs) sorry about that jeff yes sorry oh um that was awesome and i feel like him and i could have kept talking yeah i think so too that's why you hear me chime in a couple of times to keep the interview going but <laughs> but no he seemed great um thanks again so much obviously for 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 joining us and enlightening yes, us you, with Jeff. all that kind of stuff yeah i love uh his confidence and coolness and talking about not just the haunted mansion but talking about a uh, disney history in general and he says it with just like such authority just like yeah this is what's up like yeah. it it almost like how when we went to Marceline and we felt like it humanized Walt a little bit. Yeah. Um, that's what talking to him felt like um, humanizing all these Imagineers. That if like it's just a job. Yeah, for sure. That was definitely very interesting to hear. Um, and also hearing like you know some of the stuff that we have researched and found. And he's like, yeah, that's part of the story, but like the full story is more than that. And we're like, oh, okay, huh. thank you. <laughs> I guess we'll need to do more research. We will. And that's why we have things like books. Yeah. And- the doom buggies. I mean, yeah. if you go, um, if you go look at doom buggies, you're going to see that a lot of what we say is um, inspired very closely by all yeah, of that. Which makes sense because, as he was saying, like at this point, a lot of people like the the truth was out there, yeah. as they say, and so the story is going to be the story. Um, but it was great. I think the thing that I was most uh, impressed by is what you were just saying about the like the the casualness and like he's a true Disney historian, someone that. Um, just can speak off the cuff with like and have all of these great wealth of knowledge to share. Yeah, that's what I aspire to be. One day. Yeah, I'm too, but I like don't know how to be. I don't have any chill about it. Yeah, I mean that's true. We are working on that. <laughs> but to give you a, a time period, a time limit on how long you could fangirl. On this yeah, one. he was like, "All right, you get to fangirl over Jeff for like ten minutes, and then it's business." And I was like, "Okay," <laughs> but I feel like I did a good job. You did a great job. We, we stuck to the business. Yeah. Um, well, congratulations. Uh, Jeff is getting married soon, so we're very excited for him. And we are so thankful for him to come on. Um, I would have been curious, and I didn't want to take up too much of his time. And, like, also, this is a very – I don't know everyone's talking about it – of, like, talking about the magic key and the reservation mm. system. And yeah, yeah, yeah. just as someone who goes there for work, sure. what is that like? Yeah. Um, maybe we can message him and be like, hey, what, is, sure. what are your thoughts? Um, because it's frustrating. Um, 
you're listening to this a little after. We're going to have to release our episode a little later this week because we're the day it would usually come out. We'll be at Oogie Boogie. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm so excited. It will be Will's first trip back. Yeah. And you don't even go, get to go to Disneyland at all. Oh, man. You only get to go to California Adventure. I think that's right for me, though. Um, we're very excited. So our next episode, we'll get to talk about Oogie Boogie a little bit with you guys. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, thank you so much for listening. This was such a blessing and an awesome, awesome experience. Yeah. Um, and if you have anybody else you'd like for us to reach out and talk to, we probably have them on a list already. But if you got great ideas, send them over. You can do that by finding us on uh, a lot of different social media channels, at Slice of Disney, or Twitter at Slice underscore of underscore Disney. Really, a lot of our connection stuff you can find on SliceofDisney.com, just to keep it easy. Uh, we're doing movie nights uh, coming up for our Patreon family. <gasps> Which, speaking of Haunted Mansion, so we're watching um, with our with our patrons, we're going to watch the Muppets Haunted Mansion. And so I haven't watched it yet, which is killing me. Yeah. Because I wanted to wait and watch it for the first time with our patrons. So if you have any interest in hanging out with us, watching movies, getting some extra episodes, and um, some extra videos and other sweet treats, um, please check out our Patreon. We absolutely love all the stuff we get to do with Patreon. It adds so much more fun and excitement for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll yeah. See. You've had a lot of yes today. <laughs> yeah. It's time for us to uh, say goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you're having a wonderful spooky season, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Hurry back. Hurry back. Make sure to bring your death certificate.